This morning we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and we're mainly going to begin looking in verse 12, and I didn't plan ahead well for this, but I, what I'd like us to do, and this isn't going to be on the screen like it normally would, uh, but I'd like us to read the first 11 verses of 1 Corinthians 12. If you don't have a copy in the Bible in front of you, just listen and then we'll pick up with our PowerPoint in a few minutes. But let's read these first 11 verses to kind of create uh, some background for what we're gonna be looking at and then we'll, we'll get into the sermon this morning. All right, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse one. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all and everyone. To each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. Then verse 11, all these are empowered by one and the same Spirit, who apportions to each one individually as he wills. May God bless the reading of his word. So we're going to pick up there in just a second and go into to verse 12. Now one of the things you know to be true in 2016 is there are a lot of clubs that you can be a part of. And you can sign up for VIP memberships. You can get rewards programs. Some of you you can't even find your keys on your key ring because you have so many of those little reward cards sticking out to the side that you're trying, you're the people that hold up the line at Walgreens because you're trying to find your little card to, uh, to scan through there. You can sign up and be a part of just about anything, it seems like. There's, there's a membership, there's a way to sign up for it. I don't know what the craziest uh, group or membership or club you've signed up for has been in your life, and it's probably good that we not share all of the stories uh, this morning, but when I was in college at Oklahoma Baptist University over in Shawnee, there were a group of guys who decided one time that they were going to create a secret society at, at OBU. Um, they made up this crazy story uh, that involved this little kid getting lost and wandering around at the mall, and they formed this group who their job in life was to rescue this imaginary kid and, and care for him. And we, it even expanded to the, the point, and I was initiated into this club, that you would be brought into this room they would turn the lights off and put kind of like a, a single investigator spotlight on you and people would, would run around and chant these strange things. And looking back on it, it's kind of weird to, to think about it. As the, at the time, you're a college student and so it really, really don't think anything about it, but you're inducted into this club and you're supposed to stay connected with these guys. All that to say, I'm not sure I ever got out any, I never got anything out of being a part of this secret society club in, in college. But then you start thinking about church life. 
And if you've grown up in a church, people will talk about something called church membership. Or they'll ask you, what church are you a member of? Or are you a part of a church? And we're living in a world now where if you say, I'm a member of a church, to most people that you would say that to, that's just another club. That's just another little stick on your keychain that maybe, you know, you get a special place in heaven because you were a member of a church or you get some special reward because you're a member of, of a church. If you're a person who has grown up in church and you hear church member, you think, oh yeah, I kind of understand what that means. But most people in my generation and the generation following me have all kinds of weird conceptions about what it means to be a member of a church. And so this morning, on our last Sunday of our Emmaus sermon series, we're going to talk about church membership. What the Bible says about this idea, and we're going to focus on 1 Corinthians 12, but what the Bible says about church membership. Now, if you're here and you're not a Christian or church is not really your cup, cup of tea, you might be thinking, oh my word, that could be, that's just the most irrelevant thing I've ever heard of in my life. But if you'll stick with me, I think what you'll find is even if you don't consider yourself a Christian this morning, hopefully what we'll talk about this morning will clarify what we mean when we say church. That it'll be helpful for you in that regard. And if you're here this morning and you hear me talking about church membership, you might be here and you've been burned badly by local church groupings, local church organizations, and this idea could bring up a lot of negative thoughts, a lot of negative feelings, I would just ask you that we could work through this this morning and say, what does Scripture say about church membership? Why does this matter? Why do we talk about this? Why do we even practice this at, at Emmaus? On your notes, if you've got a copy of the bulletin, on the back, quite a bit of information there, but at the top, just three, well, I say at the top, where the notes, sermon notes begin, there are kind of three dashes there that we're going to use to guide us, and then there's quite a bit of information below that that we'll get to toward the end of the sermon. When we talk about church membership, I want to begin from the very, very start here to let you know that we are talking about Christian church membership. Now you say, well, that's, that's helpful, Owen. Thanks for that. Well, you may have grown up in a church that was a Christian church. In other words, that was the name of the denomination. Or you grew up um, in Church of Christ, or you drew, grew up in a Disciples of Christ church, and they would sometimes call it a Christian church. What I want you to hear, though, from the beginning is when we talk about church membership, we're talking about something that is only possible because of who Jesus is and what he has done in our lives. Look back in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 in your copy of Scripture. If you don't have a Bible, these verses are going to be up on, on the screen. 1 Corinthians 12, 12, it says, For just as the body is one, so talking about this body of believers brought together, and we're going to get into the details in a second, but just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. So Paul is wanting us to know at this point, as he was writing this to the church, that this gathering, this, this coming together of believers, this body of Christ, is just that. It is centered on Jesus Christ, who he is, which means it's not centered on any human organization. It only exists because of Christ. Earlier in this chapter, we just read this in verse 3, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 3 it says, therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking 
and the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. In the book of Acts, as the book of Acts follows the books in the New Testament that talk about the ministry of Jesus, the book of Acts talks about how the church grows and spreads, and it reaches a place called Antioch. Antioch was the place in the book of Acts where the grouping of believers in Jesus were first called Christians. Because at that time, there were a lot of Jews who were following after Jesus, and then there were starting to be Gentiles, those who were not Jews, and they were starting to follow after Jesus, but they didn't want it to be just Jews and Gentiles. It was one body at that point. They realized that the thing that brings us together is Jesus Christ. And that's what I want you to understand about church membership from the very beginning. The thing that brings us together is Jesus Christ. A couple of weeks ago, we looked at Luke chapter 24 and these disciples who were on the road to Emmaus, and they had this encounter with Jesus. And after their encounter with Jesus, the first thing they do is they're gathered together with other believers. The thing that brings us together is Jesus Christ. I love this quote from a guy named Craig Blomberg that's going to be on the screen here. Craig Blomberg uh, is a theologian, academic writer about scripture. He says, church should be a place where people gather and get along with each other who have no merely human reason for doing so. That's awesome. I love that. (laughs) There's an academic writing like a local church pastor. This is one place where we gather together and get along or at least attempt to get along And we have no merely human reason for for doing so. The thing that brings us together is is Christ. Uh, There was an idea that was popular in the church for a while, and it's still out there to varying degrees, but it was the idea that churches grow the fastest when people who are most like one another are gathered together. There's a a kind of a long term that describes this, but it was the idea that if you really wanted to grow your church, you wanted to get a bunch of people that were pretty similar, and then that church would really grow fast. You know, there's some evidence that maybe, maybe that is true. The problem with that is the thing that should grow the church is not because a bunch of people like one another got together. The thing that should compel us to be together is who Christ is and what he's done in our lives. Nothing that we would do of our own account, of our own making, is because of who he is. And what we find is it's not just because of Christ in the sense that he's the name that draws us together, it's because he gave his life for us that we are drawn together. Ephesians chapter five, look at this verse on the screen. This is a powerful verse. Ephesians chapter five, verse 25. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Which means that the only reason that a people of God exists called the church is because Jesus died for us. That is the reason we're gathered together. And sometimes, especially my generation, is guilty of this. People will say, you know what, I love Jesus, but I really don't love the church. I want me and Jesus, we kind of have our thing worked out, but I really don't need the church, I don't need other believers. Word to the wise. If you walk up to me and say, Owen, man, I really, I really like you, but your wife, Man, I don't, I tell you. I'm not going to take well to that. I don't want somebody that loves me but doesn't care for my wife. That's not, that doesn't make me feel good. We go up to Jesus, hey Jesus, I love you. But man, that wife of yours, whew, I could do without her. You see, you see why this doesn't work. 
Christ gave himself up for the church. We exist because of Christ. We are a Christian church drawn together in that way. And so we say, I love Jesus, and because of that, I'm going to love the church, the people that he has gathered together. You go on in verse 13 of that chap, uh, chapter 12. So I said that in reverse. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 we were looking at earlier, and now we're in verse 13. It says, for in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. Paul's carrying on uh, uh, the same idea at this point, but what he's making clear is what we saw earlier in verse 3, that the creation of the church, the gathering together of a group of people in the church, is a work of God's spirit. It's something that could only happen because the spirit of God was at work in that situation. Sometimes in church life, what we'll call this, and this is a $100 word that you don't necessarily need to hold on to, but I want you to be aware of it. Sometimes we'll call this regenerate church membership. Regenerate is a $100 word that just means saved or Christian. In other words, the way you become a part of the church is because by this power of God's spirit, we are made new in Christ. We are saved, and that's how you're gathered together in the church. It's not because your grandparents were church-going people, and so that got you on the church roll. It's not because you did X, Y, and Z. It's because this was a work of God's spirit. Only that could bring us into the church. Now, this actually has a lot to do with Memorial Day weekend. And I want to put something together for us at this, at this point. You say, what in the world could this have to do with, with Memorial Day weekend? Our church is a part of a grouping of churches called the Southern Baptist Convention. The Southern Baptist Convention, for various reasons, has been known for some negative things over the years. But by and large, it's an incredible organization of churches. And one of the things that was foundational for Southern Baptists, and really Baptists in general, but, but especially Southern Baptists early on, was the idea of religious liberty and the separation of church and state, that people would be gathered together because God was compelling them to do it, not the government compelling them to do it. And so when we live in a country like we do, and we think about those who have served and given of themselves so that we have religious liberty, religious liberty is at the heart of what we believe because we believe that a person standing before God is between that person and God. No government can come along and force someone into a relationship with God. No human organization could come along and make someone a part of a church. That is a work of God's spirit that he does in our lives as we resp respond in repentance and faith and follow after Christ. That is why Memorial Day, Southern Baptist churches, and this idea of a Christian church are so important together because having religious liberty says that each person is in a position to say how they're related to God. Or said more correctly, God is the one who determines that relationship with him not the local church, and beyond that, not any human government. So I want you to see that this is important, this is foundational for we are, it's a work of God's spirit. Now back there in verse 13, back there in verse 13 it says, for in one spirit we were all baptized into one body. I'm not gonna take too long on this point, but 
you may have been a part of churches in the past where they would talk about spirit baptism. Uh, so maybe you were baptized in water, and then they would talk about either a second baptism or, or a spirit baptism, and this is something that can cause a lot of, a lot of confusion for, for people. The reference here where it says we were all baptized into one body and all were made to drink of one spirit, all that is referring to is God's work in our life at the time of salvation. This isn't referring to some special second blessing, second baptism that you get at some point because it says specifically there in verse 13 at the end of the verse, and all were made to drink of one spirit. This is something that happens to all believers at the time of salvation through the work of God. Romans chapter 8 verse 11 kind of gives us another reference here. Romans 8 11 says, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead, so the Spirit of God dwells in you, then he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who dwells in you. So how do we have new life? How are we made new? How are we made part of a church? It's through the work of God's Spirit. But then look at verse 14 in your Bible. Verse 14 there, it says, for the body does not consist of one member, but of many. So there is no such thing as a one-member church. There may have been times in your life where you thought, you know what, I could start a great church. I would be the pastor, I would be the audience, I would be the music leader, I would plan all the activities, we would have no problems, because it would be the church of me. Church doesn't work that way, it's tempting, we probably considered it, especially those of us who are introverts and who think, man, I would be great by myself, you know. It just doesn't work that way. There's no such thing as a one-member church. It's always about being gathered together. Skip down in your Bibles or scroll down your phone a little bit to verse 27, because what Paul does here, he goes from verse 14 down to verse 27, and these two verses kind of compress the verses in between. They, they help us understand those verses. If you go down to verse 27, it says, now... You are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church, and then it goes on in the next few verses to talk about what God has done. What I want you to see in that particular verse is the relationship between the body of Christ and Paul's reference to the church. Now on your notes, if you have a copy of the bulletin in front of you and you look at that, you'll see that that second dash that I made for the notes this morning has the word church with a capital C, and the capital C is underlined, and then it has the word church with a lowercase c. Here's why this is important. When scripture refers to a church, it can refer either to all believers who are in Christ. All believers at all times and all places, Christ gave himself up for the church, Ephesians 5.25. That's not talking about only Jesus loves, Jesus only loves Emmaus. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about the church as in all believers. But the Bible will also use the word church to refer to local gatherings of believers. Same word, no distinction. It can be either all Christians in all places at all times, or it can refer to local groupings. Same word, same. So sometimes in English, we'll use capital C church to refer to all believers, and we'll use lower C 
church to refer to a local church. It's just a way to help us understand. Those two are meant to go together. Lower C church, local church, is not an optional add-on to being a part of the larger body of Christ. And this is an important point. Because sometimes people will tell me, you know what? I'm not going to be a part of your church. I'm not going to be a part of any church because I love all Christians. And I just want to be related to the whole body of Christ. I don't need a local church to do that. Well, being a part of a local church doesn't prevent you from loving all Christians. It doesn't take you outside of that. In fact, there are things that the Lord commands us and calls us to do that we can't do without being a part of a local church. It matters that you're gathered together with other believers. It matters that you're a part of the local church. Don't think of this as an optional add-on. The New Testament knows nothing of Lone Ranger individual Christians. Now that doesn't mean, hear me clearly at this point because I want to make sure I'm not miscommunicating. That doesn't mean that it's impossible for someone to be a Christian and not attend church. That, that is a possibility. But we live in a part of the world where this is unfortunately rampant. This idea that I'm in Christ, I've been made new through the Spirit of God, I'm a part of the big C church, but I really don't need to be a part of a church. I don't really need that, it's just me and God and we've worked out our, our, our thing. This may be your situation today, this may be the way that your family members or your friends feel. This may draw up a lot of negative emotions where you say, you can't tell me I have to be a part of a church. There's a lot of emotion that comes with this because every one of us knows someone and has said about someone, you know, that, that person's a Christian, but they haven't been in church in 40 years. That may be true. And it is not my job or my place to judge whether or not that person is related to God. But I can tell you that's extremely unhealthy. And you will never, ever grow in your faith the way God has designed us to do unless we make a connection, unless we gather together with the local church. It is the local expression of the body of Christ and all of its imperfections and all of its struggles, but working out what it means for God's spirit to work in us and work through us. So that takes us to the next point on the notes, which simply says membership matters. Membership matters. If you look in verse 18, so look in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 18. So you may have to go back up in your phone just a little bit. We're backing up into those verses that Paul uh, kind of compresses there in the middle. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 18. But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. Is he talking about the universal body or the local body? Yes, both. He, God works in the universal church and he works through the local church. But specifically, Paul almost always refers to the local church. He arranges the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. This idea that our unity comes in the midst of diversity. Unity and uniformity are not the same thing. Part of our unity as a church is that we're made up of people with different giftings, different talents, different personalities, different backgrounds. This is why I love the multi-generational aspect of Emmaus, that we come from all these different backgrounds, and we need 
one another. You keep going down to, uh, to verse 24. Skip down to verse 24. Verse 24 says, God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. We need one another. We were never saved, never called to Christ to live on our own. We need one another. This idea that I can just do without being connected to a church, I can do without church membership, not only is it unhealthy, but it presents a false picture of the gospel to the world around you. If people know that you're a follower of Christ, if they know that you call yourself a Christian, and they also know that you have nothing to do with the local church, imagine how someone who doesn't know very much about the Bible or know very much about Jesus, imagine the picture that that paints for them. What it paints for them is this must not be very important. Or whatever this is that they have with God, I can probably have it as well because, you know what, I my life pretty much looks the same as, as theirs. Scripture is crystal clear here in these verses that we need one another. We need to be able to rejoice with one another. We need to be able to grieve and suffer with one another. We need to be able to build one another up in a way that we can only do when we're gathered together as, as a church. There's a couple of cautions uh, at this point. The first is when we think about church, and I know that a room, even a room that's set up like this, makes this hard. But when we think about church, we have to be very careful about not emphasizing what happens on the stage as if that's the only part or even the main part that matters. What we seek to do in worship leadership, we take very seriously. What we seek to do in preaching and guiding, we take very seriously. But if I ever think that the church can only function if Owen is doing his part, I've completely miscommunicated what the church is, is all about. Sometimes I'll get here and I'll think, you know what, if the AV guys aren't here to take care of me, I'll never be able to do what I'm doing. And that was well played up there. <laughs> I can survive without the AV guys, I'm okay. I don't need them, uh, actually I probably do need them. So. Uh, now I'm really, oh, we're, oh yeah, if, if it's ever about what happens on the stage, as if this makes up church, we've completely missed the point of what Paul is talking about here for, for church membership. The other side of that puzzle, the other side of that caution, is sometimes we think in order to be a part of the church, the church is made up of whatever planned and structured activities or programs we have going on. And we realize that the church is way bigger than that. It's way more than something that is planned and structured. It's how can we be the church in all the areas of our lives. So how do we work that out practically? At Emmaus, we want to have times that we are gathered together as a corporate body for worship. It matters that we come together to sing to one another, to pray with one another, to care for one another, to, to live out the gospel. It matters that we're gathered together corporately. We also need times that we are gathering together with other believers for Bible study, fellowship, we're getting to know one another on a more individual uh, level. 
We also have additional activities from time to time for men, women, older adults. Those are kind of supplemental activities. Sometimes they're a place for people to connect who wouldn't connect with church any other way. It's a way for them to come in and, and grow in their, in their faith. And then beyond that, the majority of our work as a church is done as we live our lives, where we live, learn, work, play. We are being the church in every one of those areas, gathering together with one another, being in one another's homes, encouraging one another, living out our faith in our neighborhoods and our workplaces and our hobbies, just being the church. The last thing we ever want someone to say is, man, I wish that church would have planned more activities for me. The goal is not that we would fill up a calendar with things to keep people busy so they can be a part of the church. The goal of the church is that we would equip and encourage our people to be the church as they live their lives. The church is to be an equipper. The church is to be a catalyst when we think about the church in terms of worship and programming and things like this. A lot of people, including myself, if we're not careful, we get into ministry because we want to fix other people's problems. This is a dangerous place to get, and many of you understand this as parents, you understand this as grandparents, you understand this at your work. We just want to fix what's wrong. But our goal is to be facilitators, not fixers. If I do my role correctly, you should be equipped and encouraged and facilitated to be able to live out your faith every day of the week without saying, I wonder when they're gonna plan another activity. We want to plan things that matter. We want to do things to encourage you. We want to provide opportunities for people to come together. But more than anything, we want you to live out your faith as a member of the body of Christ, both here at Emmaus and with believers who are all around you. So as we kind of come to the end of our time this morning, if you look there on your notes, a majority of the sermon notes are for the final three minutes of, of the sermon. But if, if you look there, I put a couple of explanatory sections. Who can become a member of a local church, of, of this gathered body here at Emmaus? Who, who can become a member? Someone who is saved, who has experienced the power of God at work in their life through Jesus Christ. If the word saved seems strange or too churchy for you and you're, and you're saying, you know what, maybe that's happened in my life, maybe it hasn't happened in my life, I want to talk to you about that. I want you to be crystal clear on what we mean by being saved, that we are separated from God in our sin if we're left on our own, but because of who Jesus is, that he died for us, that he took on himself our sin, and then he rose from the dead so that we are able to have life and able to be able to live as the people of God. That's what it means to be saved. And then those who have been baptized. Baptism is a requirement for membership here at our church because baptism is that step where you say, I'm going to make public, I'm going to show that this is who I am as a Christian. There are some different misunder I mean, there are some different understandings, some different ideas about that, but baptism is a requirement, not baptized as a baby, but baptized in response to who Jesus is and what he's done in my life. And then the third thing on there, it says pursuing holiness. The reason we have that as a requirement for membership, and it's very nebulous, very gray, but it's gray on purpose, is because someone doesn't have to be perfect 
to be a member of the church. We understand that. That would exclude all of us. We're not to be perfect. But if someone doesn't give a rip about how they're living their life, they're just gonna live however they want, no matter what anybody else says, doesn't matter what the Bible says or anybody else says, there's no reason that you would be gathered together with a body of believers because what we want to do together is we want to show people around us a picture of the goodness of God and what it looks like to follow after him. And so pursuing holiness just means by God's power, I want to live a life that shows others around me how good he is and how good his word is. So if you've been saved, baptized, and say, you know what, I want to pursue holiness in my life, then that person become a member. What are the expectations for members? This may seem strange uh, to even put expectations out there. There have been a lot of studies done recently to show that the higher the expectations for church members, the healthier the church is. For many decades, the church operated on this idea that if we lower the bar, then everybody will be included and, and we'll just have more people and everything will be better. Actually, that kind of backfired. And what we found is if you give people expectations and say, this, these aren't human expectations, we're just telling you this is what God calls us to, this is what his word calls us to, it actually results in a healthier church. It r- results in a healthier gathering of believers. We use three words at Emmaus to talk about the expectations for our members. Up, in, out. Up, in, out. I've explained them on the notes a little bit differently. Up is this idea that we are living our lives upward focused on God. So expectations is that you would be gathered in corporate worship. Life happens, job family, things get in the way, but it would be an expectation that we're gathered together in corporate worship, that we're worshiping the Lord throughout the week in our lives, that we're living together for the unity of the body. In, is this an expectation of members that we would be gathering together with other believers in Bible study, in fellowship, and getting to know one another, that we're serving those around us, that we're living out our Christian life on a day-to-day basis, that our lives are being transformed from the inside out, And then the out part is this an expectation of members that we are looking for ways to serve others. In Jesus' name, we're doing good things for others to show the love of Christ. And we're also crossing boundaries. We're going other places to speak about Jesus. That those would be the expectations. That we're saying, if we're going to be gathered together as a body, let's be about the things that Scripture says we're supposed to be about. So how does someone become a member of Emmaus Baptist Church? Well, there are three steps. The first is that you would attend a membership class. Now, we have two different classes that kind of serve two different, two different purposes. Next week, we're doing something called Discover Emmaus. This is a lunch that if somebody needs an entry-level opportunity just to get to know the staff, to ask questions, to figure out what's going on here, we would love for you to come and to be a part of that lunch next week. You're not signing yourself up for anything. It's free, we just want it to be informal and a chance for you to learn about the church. But then we also have a membership class that meets on Sunday mornings once per month that we would ask that those who are joining our church family would come and be a part of that. Not to jump through a hoop, but just so we can all be on the same page about who we're trying to be as a church family. After that membership class, or sometimes before, but we ask that you would meet with a staff member or a deacon to share your testimony, 
to share about how God has been at work in your life, the work that he has done to save you, the way you've been growing in your faith, how you're seeking to follow the Lord, that you would meet with somebody and share that. And then finally, one of the things we do that's a little bit old school is we present those people to the church who are desiring to be a part of our church family, which usually looks like at the end of the service, people will stand down here and then our members will stand up together and we'll celebrate together that the Lord is calling those people into our church family. So I want you to have that information. Many of you are already members of Emmaus, but I want you to have that information so that if anybody ever asks you, hey, why do you even do membership? at your church. A lot of churches now don't do membership anymore, but why, why do you even do membership? Why does it matter? How do you become a member? That you're in a position to be able to answer those questions. You're in a position to be able to help, help them out. If you're looking for a place to go to church, if you're looking for a place to connect your lives and to connect your family, and you say, you know what? The Lord may be leading us in this direction. Over the next two Sundays, there are two really good opportunities. There's that lunch next Sunday on June 5th, and then on June 12th, we have our next membership class. And if you'd like to be a part of those, I'd love to tell you some more about that. I'd love to be able to talk with you some more. I'll be available after the service to do that. But before we wrap up, let me paint a picture for why all of this matters. So a lot of what we talked about this morning has kind of been theoretical. But imagine this. Imagine a couple who grew up in church. Grew up in the youth group, attended church a good bit, graduated from high school, kind of drifted away from church, said, you know what, it's not that we don't believe in God, it's just that we kind of got away from church. They got married right after college, said, you know what, we're probably going to try to find a way to get back in church at some point. Didn't really happen. Had their first kid, thought, ooh, now's probably a good time to get back in church. And so they connected with a local group of believers. They began to worship with those believers. They began to meet some of the people that sit around them because they are like everybody else and they sit in the same place every Sunday morning. And they get to know some of those people, make some connections. They take a huge courageous step and they start to attend a Bible study or a Sunday school class and they remember why it was so important that they studied God's word and they start to read God's word during the week, and they hadn't done that in a long time. They start to pray together as a couple, which they haven't done since they got married. They begin to talk with their kids about Jesus, which they can't help to do because their kids go into Sunday school, and they come home every week talking about Jesus to their parents. And then they begin to think, wait, maybe the reason we felt so spiritually dry all those years wasn't because God ran away from us or didn't like us, but because we disconnected from our source of spiritual strength. And so then they begin to connect with that local church and they find out that there are needs in the community that they are perfectly equipped to meet. And they meet those needs and they get so excited about that that they learn about needs on the other side of the world. And so then they're looking for opportunities to travel to share about Jesus because Jesus is so transforming their life through the power of his church, for whom he died, for whom he gave his life, not so people would be pridefully gathered together with one another, but so that the world would see a picture of how good God is and what he wants to do in and through our lives. And I pray that a story like that 
or some variation of that would happen hundreds of times over through Emmaus. Not because we want Emmaus to be great, but because of how great Jesus is. Let's pray. As we come to the end of our service, Jaron's going to come and, and lead us through a little bit of a final song here in a few minutes. During this time, if you want to use this just as a time of personal reflection and prayer, you can do that. If you need someone to pray with you because of something going on in, in your life, we have people down here at the front who want to be able to pray with you. There may be something we know nothing about that's going on in your life and you just need someone to care for you and, and pray with you during this time. Whatever it is, would you make a commitment right now that you're going to seek by the power of God's Spirit to live the life that He has called you to live? And by His Word, that life includes being connected with other believers. That doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be at Emmaus. This isn't going to be the place for everybody. It doesn't need to be the place for everybody. But I just pray that you would connect your life with other believers so that the Spirit of God would be able to work in and through you. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for the gift of Jesus Christ. Thank you for the gift of the church. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.